and welcome. We know this class is unusual. Usually we try to stop at, um, start at, at 10.30 now, um, but we figured chocolate cake is easier to eat with a fork. Um, so I had to run upstairs and get some forks. So we just began a new study um, based on 1 Corinthians 13, and we talked about um, Ahava love. Anyone remember what Ahava means? No? Okay. Long and short of it, God exhaled, we inhaled, love came. That's, that's when that Ahava love is. Um, and that's the type of love that we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. And I really love the picture because I, I'm, you know, I'm picturing Adam and God breathed, man inhaled, and love came. And life relationship life relationship everything the fullness came when God breathed into us and when we receive Christ and our spirit becomes alive that's when God's spirit breathes into us and that's when we've experienced the first the first evidence of God's love for us that's when we can really embrace it is when God exhales and we actually inhale so whenever that moment was when you accepted Christ, that's when you inhaled. That's when you inhaled and you said yes. And I really love the way that even that word sounds, ah, va. You know, that second syllable is just the sound you make when you actually inhale. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what God is trying to do on a daily basis. He is exhaling His Word to us if we're actually breathing it in. He is exhaling His Spirit. All we have to do is breathe it in. So in that, um, we talked about that there's basically two types of love. The one based on how things make us feel. Like chocolate cake. Like chocolate cake, okay. And coffee and hot chocolate. And hot chocolate. Thank you, daughter of mine. I love you. And um, in that process, um, I have no choice how this makes me feel. If I take it and they made it right, I'm going to feel good. I know that, okay? Yes. Okay? But sometimes they don't make it right. And automatically I kind of go, you know, they don't make it to my taste. So that's what determines whether I love this hot chocolate or not, how it makes me feel. The other type of love, thank you, Jackie, very much. The other type of love is um, actually not a choice. This type of love is other-centered. It, it lies in appreciating the value of others. And it was interesting because Ron was like, well, I don't know if I agree. You know, I said, well, um, yeah, chocolate nose or coffee, coffee nose. nose. Yeah. Um, how do we love Hitler? How does God love Hitler? I mean, c can someone give me a redeeming quality that they know of of Hitler? He's dead. <laughs> okay. Okay. But this is the deal. God created Hitler. He is God's creation. And we can, you know, not we're not going to go into the theology of why they're evil and everything else like that because that's um, actually a really interesting <coughs> study um, in and of itself, but for the fact alone that God created Hitler gives him value. I don't like any of his choices that I'm aware of that he's made, but I know that God created him. And therefore I can have a level, I can choose to have a level of love for him. Right. And it's not focused in, in the person of Hitler. It is focused purely in the fact that God created that individual. And we are demonstrating a love for God when we love individuals that are otherwise unlovable. Which does not necessarily mean accept their behaviors all or, the time. Or be in relationship with them. Exactly. Okay. So, when scripture refers to the word love, it actually says that Yahweh, God, Right? loved us that he gave us or connected to us through the son Jesus that whoever believes in him we shall not perish but possess everlasting life 
Love is an immediate connectedness. Okay. So for this study, we're going to break down 1 Corinthians 13 into sections. Now, verse one th- verses 1 through 3 talk about the meaningless of all our okay. actions if which, they're not based on love. Which I'm going to read. Okay. And um, it was really interesting because in today's sermon, what Pastor Jason was talking about was actually um, describing Paul and saying, hey, you know, Paul was saying, hey, look at my scars, all right? Look, look at all I've done for Christ, okay? I believe this, all right? But the one thing that Paul had above all else was love. So if 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries I just pointed up. and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Keep in mind, and I pointed up and it generated some laughter, but that's what our actions without love sound like to God. Listen, just listen. It's great timing. No idea what's going on up there. All right, but but a lot of people are kind of like, why are they doing that? Why can't they set the church up better? All right. But that's what it sounds like when our actions are motivated by self. That's what they sound like to God. And it's got to develop a headache. If God could get headaches, I'm certain we would give him plenty. But he's long on patience. But he's long suffering, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So beginning in verse 4, it begins to describe the characteristics of love with the first being patience or long suffering. Now, when you hear those two words, what do you think of? And don't tell me a hospital. Which two? Patience, Patience or long-suffering. Or long-suffering. They're, they're synonyms. They're kind of interchangeable in Scripture. Pain? Pain. Pain. What else? I'll, I'll tell you how I met a good friend one time. My daughter was taking a dance class, and um, after the class they would always have a small devotional time. And um, I was sitting there studying while they were doing their things, and then someone wanted to pray for patience. I got up and I moved away. I said, I do not want to be near that prayer. All right? That's how I felt about patience. Anyone agree with that type of? Yes. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's just be honest. I feel like I can long suffer without being patient. I've lived like that. Really? Yes. Okay, yes. now, what well, well, patience? implies kind of a level of peace um, or peace and joy in the waiting. Okay. Okay. So in the unfulfillment or in the waiting of whatever having peace and joy now while long suffering may just be (laughs) the agony of it. Yeah. Okay. Or or just the the sticking in there with a purpose for it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Thank you for sharing that today. Anyone else? Yes. Paul? Um, this just reminded me of something. Kathy and I were watching something. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who was saying it. Uh, but patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And their comments on it were, you know, we already have it if we want it. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit and so on and so forth. And uh, it was uh, William Paul Young, the guy that wrote The Shack. He was being interviewed by Oprah. Uh, and it was an interesting interview. But uh, it made me think differently about that fear of praying for patience. Uh, okay. Because it's something, you know, it's a fruit of the Spirit. We should be able to attain, if that's the right word, into that already. Uh, made me think differently. So what's the one thing that's missing then? If it's already in us, and you're right, Second Peter 1, verse 3 says, By His divine power we have been given everything we need. So what's left? If we've already been given it, what's left? Start using it. Start using it. Choose it. Second Peter 1? Second Peter 1, 3. 
We have been given everything we need by His divine power to live a life of godliness. All we have to do is choose. Okay, so we have some interesting quotes on patience. This first one is by Leonardo da Vinci. Patience serves as a protection against wrongs as clothes do against cold. For if you put on more clothes as the cold increases, it will have no power to hurt you. So, in like manner, you must grow in patience when you meet with great wrongs. What do you think of that quote? Patience is like clothes that protect you from the cold. The more patience you put on, the greater it will protect you from the wrongs of others. Um, if anyone so challenge, so much takes a challenge to do a fast, any kind of fasting, it kind of forces you to go into the zone of being in the spirit of having patience, because it slows everything <coughs> down. You're you're all you're slowed down, and you're you're just in a totally different realm, and it helps you to to have so much patience with yourself, with people around you, um, while you're when you're in the fast, when you're on it so to speak so water only you know whatever that is going to help you so much if you feel like you don't you you need help with fruits of the spirit that's going to just blow your mind with helping you in that area just a side note Joyce Meyer patience is not just about waiting for something it is about how you wait or your attitude while waiting, like you were saying, Teddy. You know, I, it, it assumes peace or something like that. Julius Caesar said it's easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience. I don't want to see a hand raised, but how many of us have thought at some time with our spouse or our partner, Jesus, just take me now. Maybe it's a good thing he did. Francis Bacon. Whoever is out of patience is out of possession of their soul. This one, um, we don't know who the author is, but patience is waiting. Not passively waiting. That's laziness. But to keep going when the going is hard and slow. That is patience. Get chocolate cake. And during our preparation for this, this is the one thing I struggled with most. Am I being patient and am I being trusting? Or have I just given up? Or am I being lazy? Which of those two is it? And I I think that's a part of, because I, I, my wife will let you know, I am probably one of the most self-critical people you will ever meet where I'm you know, judging myself and much more harshly other than others at times. So I'm trying to discern, is this laziness or is it actually trust? And for me, sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. Or apathy. Or apathy. Okay. So the dictionary defines patience as displaying quiet endurance under stress or annoyance, tranquil while waiting results, persevering. Okay. kind of goes along with what Teddy was saying the difference between patience and long suffering the Bible actually uses uh, the word patience in two forms you're going to pronounce it oh I'm going to pronounce it (laughs) makrothamia is the first one and that's patience with people Uh, in 2 Samuel 16 5 through 10 David exemplifies macrothamia by restraining his mighty men and nephew Abishai from removing Shimei's head. David realized that Shimei, a man from Saul's line, was caught up in the events occurring in Israel and further considered that God might be just involved in some of his actions. So David displayed that patience with other people. The other is hupomone, which is patience in trial. Kind of that's where the, the long suffering comes. Job's trials help us to understand the meaning of hupoma me. Um, the Bible even refers to the patience of Job in James 5:11. Throughout his extended and tragic trial, for those of you that don't remember, Job lost everything. 
There were a, more than a dozen kids, I believe. Was it yeah. seven kids or 14 kids? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he lost all of his possessions, his wealth. Um, he had boils. Um, you know, his wife is suggesting to him that he just curse God and die. Um, and then he's got these really good friends that sat with him for three days, just sat with him, and then started spewing off a bunch of things. Well, Job, you had to have something wrong with you. Yeah. Where's the sin in your life? Okay, this isn't healing. We sat with you, and it's not working. So it's got to be your fault. Yeah, I wrote okay. a paper one time with friends like Job's who needs boils. <laughs> <laughs> but then Job actually waited on God to answer his prayers. Job had patience. And God's answer was pretty humbling. All right, you think you're all that, Job? Where were you when I created the earth? Where were you, okay, when I put the stars up in the heavens? All right, so that patience that Job exemplified actually showed a lot of um, God's goodness. Exactly. And if we put these two together, patience is calm endurance, peace, while under stress, without the loss of self-control. It is a quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb to trial. Patience means not to give up. Patience means to endure with peace. And it is possible to endure with peace if we take in mind what Paul said elsewhere, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. So I guess a, I guess the way we dis, distinguish patience from apathy or laziness is if we are taking captive those thoughts and understanding the goodness of God even in the trial we're facing or the individuals with which we have to deal. Key component, understanding the goodness of God. As Christians, the best way to grow fruit of the Spirit. By the way, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Believe it or not, they're not different aspects. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Okay? They're all one aspect of a fruit. And God gave me a vision once of an apple. Okay? And, and that apple is um, breaking down the, um, the, the fruit. It's uh, love, joy, peace, um, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The love, joy, and peace are um, the seeds, okay? We get those actually planted by God. That's the author of those. The um, kindness, goodness, and um, patience are, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Was that the flesh or was that the? No, it's flesh. That was the flesh, the outside. Yeah. Okay, that's what we show others. And then the meat the meat is the gentleness, faithfulness, and the self-control of the apple. Right? Now, have you ever seen a distorted fruit? One that kind of grows very lopsided? All right. We can do that if we're focusing it on as, as different aspects and saying, well, God's not done with me. I'm going to work on the patience later. I'm going to work on the kindness later or the self-control. Yeah, we get a lopsided fruit. And we lead a lopsided life, actually. Because if we start looking at each segment or each one of those is different, then we don't understand the cohesiveness with God that God created us to be. And we will become, that's a great analogy, we will become lopsided because we're pursuing more of one thing than we're pursuing another. I can pursue patience all I want, but if I'm not pursuing gentleness, if I'm not pursuing gentleness with another person, I won't have to worry about being patient with them because they're going to they're gonna just disappear. And if I don't base it on the foundation that I have God's love, I have his hope, and I have his peace, that's what I've been grafted into. That's the seeds that are within me that he planted. When I became a child of Christ, I was grafted into his vine. So his life-giving word is what's growing. It <coughs> emanates first from the seeds. 
Does that make sense? You know, they, they had a uh, thing for Jonah upstairs for the next small group, and we would encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, to, to, to become part of a small group, because they do have significant value in connecting us. <laughs> what I liked about that was when the pastor was speaking, if we have greater love for our own needs being met than we have for meeting the needs of others, we may be stuck in the belly of a whale for a while. And having a love for meeting the needs of others is exactly what God wants to instill in us. And that requires a development of patience because there are far too many instances in which, and we've seen these, Joe and Leona have seen these, when we're working intimately with couples, what we're seeing is, yes, but what about me? Yes, but what about me? Yes, but what about me? And that is a, reason, that is a recurring theme that we're seeing in couples that are, yes, but what about me? Yes, but what about me? Because they put their own needs ahead. And I'm not saying that their needs aren't legitimate because God gives us those needs. God gives us those needs to be met. And at the same time, we should be pursuing the meeting of another pe person's needs and trusting that God will fulfill our needs. If we are basically saying, if when we're being impatient, and I'm just going to be extremely direct, when we are being impatient, we are putting the needs of another person below our own. We are putting our needs ahead of another person. Yeah, but that idiot in the car in front of me is just, I mean, come on. You know, that's like a 160-year-old grandma barely able to see, you know. Okay. She doesn't realize that I'm running late for a meeting. Guess what? I was, I was the idiot at times. I was the idiot at times. I will share with you that if Jean did not come to this realization, we would not be together. Because as my, we were separated for 16 months, and as much as I can repent and everything else, if Jean did not have the real, realization that my sin is still sin to God, just different, and may not have the consequences, I can assure you we would not be together. I can assure you of that. And what patience requires is a depth of humility is a depth of humility that I'm not certain most of us can really grasp what that looks like. And it's hard to deal with that type of humility. It's hard to get to it, but I assure you of this, we have seen couples not perfect in humility, but pursuing humility. Those that have pursued humility are the ones that are success, not perfect, but those are the ones that are setting a different legacy for their families than ever before. And I'm just, I'm going to point to David and Anne. Yeah? yeah, they may chuckle, but they came in with humility. And as a result, they changed the course of generations, the legacy of generations in their family line. And you guys have shared testimony and stuff, and so that's why I'm going to feel free to do this. They also came in with anger, bitterness, and justification why they were right and the other person was wrong. But their heart was toward the Lord, and they knew that God God had the answers, basically. Yeah. Is that okay to say? Did I share anything inaccurate? Still not quite sure what you did. <laughs> we didn't do anything. That's, it was your humility to go before the Lord and to recognize that, yeah, I, I could give you a whole list of why this is all wrong, all right? And... and We've said it before in class, it's been said in different videos, different ways. Hey, if I'm only 5% wrong, if I own up to that 5%, it's amazing the difference that can happen in a relationship. You know, that's what humility brings. Um, I love where you guys are going with that. And I think that what humility does is humility gives God license to come into your life and to move and to change your heart and to change the circumstances that you're in around you. But without humility, 
right? Yeah. We put we put God as at a distance, right? So all the religious stuff that we can do, we can come to church and say hallelujah and join the choir and do all that other kind of tithe, twenty percent, right? Ninety percent. Ninety percent, whatever. But your spiritual maturity is really anchored in humility. And that's where you see God change marriages, change families, change lives. There, all that other stuff, right? You just put in the mass before the Lord. Yeah. It was a lack of humility that got Satan cast out. God resists the problem. Gives and gives grace to the humble. And keep in mind, resist isn't just backing off. Mm -hmm. Resist means. Mm -hmm. That's what resist means. Okay, some concepts of patience found in selected scripture. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Patience is actually a matter of perspective. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. It's a matter of perspective. When you're really hungry at a restaurant, all right, fast food is not fast enough, right? Okay. But you go to some really fine dining places where it takes three hours to serve the whole meal, all right, but you're not hungry, you can handle that. It's a matter of perspective. Think of the last two minutes of a football game. Generally, it lasts for about a half an hour. It's an hour. Uh, yeah, the last two minutes of a football game can sometimes last for a half an hour. Because okay. there's so many interruptions. Um, Galatians 5, 22, but the, fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Patience is a growth process and inseparable from the rest of the fruit. We talked about that. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Patience is evidence of walking in our calling. So if we dare say, hey, I'm walking in my calling and I am impatient with all those around me, yeah, Scripture says otherwise. And yes, that was convicting for us. Yes. Okay. Colossians 1, 11 through 12. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Patience comes from the Father. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on then as God chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. Also, you must forgive. <clears throat> Patience is a choice. Remember when we talked about putting on clothes against the cold? Look what Paul says, put on. Put on, and not that we should ever take it off, but put on. Patience, put on all this stuff. One of the things I, I struggle with with the Ephesians and the armor of God is when did he ever tell us to take it off? <laughs> when did he ever tell us to take it off? He never did. That's assuming we had it on in the first place. That's assuming we had it on in the first place. But once it goes on, he's telling us to clothe ourselves in this and he's not telling us to take it off. Romans 2, 6-7. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience... In well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. Patience has a reward. What was that again? Romans that is Romans 2, 6 through 7. 
Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Patience is a key element of faith. If you say you have faith and you're not patient, is your faith an empty purse? You know, I think about Abraham. And all the years that went in between <coughs> God speaking with Abraham and then God going quiet for a while. And sometimes when we don't hear from God for two days, God, where'd you go? Abraham didn't hear from him for a few, uh, um, well, I was going to say decades, but it was more like 14 years. Yeah. There were go- 14 years would go in between God talking to Abraham. Joe? What about Moses? And Moses. Moses went 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. Mm-hmm. A lot of us would have left the Lord a long time ago if we didn't hear from him for 40 years. I haven't heard from him for four minutes. I'm not sure if he's around. <laughs> yeah, uh, one, and, and here's an ouch, maybe. <coughs> we're, we're talking with a couple one time, and I just don't hear from the Lord. Do you remember the last thing that he said? Yes. Are you doing it? No. Then why should he waste his breath? Ron's counseling in 30 seconds. <laughs> it's what happens when you go through drive through McMarriage counseling and Ron's the cashier. <laughs> okay, so um, 1 Timothy 1.16. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. Patience can be an example and an encouragement to others to believe. Okay, so patience isn't just for us. It can be an example for others as well to bring them into the kingdom. And it can also, I mean, Peter talks about not adorning our, the women not adorning themselves. But in, in, in fullness and in developing that, that Christ-like character inside, that's what will draw the husbands. And the same goes both ways. It goes both ways. And that's what I encourage the guys to do in, in Saturday morning group, which we're going to be having this Saturday, is to allow themselves the character, e- even though their wives or their spouses or their partners may not be immediately responding. The key is to develop that character in Christ because that's the most, because at some point you're going to be standing before God, not before your spouse at the judgment seat. And from that point forward, it's life eternal. Oh, we're technically walking in life eternal. We, are, we just we don't know not. which uh, fork in the road we're going to take. No. <laughs> um, Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Patience is actually the key one of the major keys to actually finishing the race. Okay, you ask any runner, they get to a point where they have to pass through, bypass, push on, all right? Everything within them wants to quit. They have to push on, okay? All right, so. So now that we talked about patience, you wanna learn how to actually do it? Walk it out? Or if you don't want to, you can just leave. Okay, we're about practicality, right? I mean, so because we, we all know these scriptures, right? I'm sure a lot of these scriptures are not anything new to you. The teachings may not be anything new. So how many have completely gotten patience underneath their belt and say, I'm... I'm I'm sorry, I've seen you, sweetie, at work. I've seen you at work. You couldn't even hold that. I'm not patient. Okay. Well, you've got a job that it requires a lot of patience. I mean, it really does. But, uh, I've got a lot of work to do. Okay. So, um, some practical steps. All right. The first step is to find out why we're impatient. Take a look at the situations where we find we're most impatient. 
all right? Why are we impatient in those circumstances? What are we telling ourselves? What are our expectations? What are our fears? Are we most impatient when we're out on Highway 4? Are we most impatient when we're dealing with our kids? Are we most impatient when we're at work? You know, or when we're dealing with our spouse? What are the circumstances that we're most impatient under? All right, and then to try to figure out what our thinking is regarding to those circumstances. Yeah, are we stretching ourselves too thin with activities? And we're trying to rush from here to there to there. Remember, everything that is good is not necessarily God. And when I think about those two words, good and God, good has two O's, God has one. Lots of things are good. There are a few best things. We should be focusing on those best things. And when we stretch ourselves too thin, we can cause ourselves to be in a situation where our, our patients will not, we're going to become more impatient because we're trying to simply do too much. Um, sometimes patience actually takes the form of anxieties. Okay? And we don't recognize that as impatience. Um, so are there things that um, people, phrases, circumstances, again, I kind of mentioned this a little bit, that causes anxiousness or frustration, all right? But anxiousness is also a sign of impatience, okay? Um, yeah. We gotta look for patterns. We gotta look for patterns, that's one of the first steps. And the key to looking for patterns and, and trying to adjust our lives is by journaling. When impatience hits, write down what it's associated with. I'm being impatient because. It could be that simple. And then pray and jot down what God shares with you. We had, um, there was a, we had a home group and um, there was a good portion of the group that if we told them it started at 6.30, they'd show up at 7. <laughs> and we had a portion of the group that when, they said, when we said it started at 6.30, they were there at 6.30 and ready to go. And if it didn't start at 6.30, I mean, not 6.31, not 6.32, 6.30, all right, they, they were a bit irritated. And I was one of those early on who was a bit irritated. It's like, come on. But then I understood, hey, the bulk of this group, basically I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna concede, if I'm gonna lead this group, I'm gonna concede that it's gonna begin really about seven and just let that go. And that was hard for me. And at the same time, when there was a person in there who said, why doesn't it start at 6.30? Why don't you start at 6.30? You're the leader and all this other stuff. I said, I am the leader. We are the leader in this group. And at the same time, Here's what I've come to understand about the people in this group and the people are more important to me than starting on time. So if starting on time is really that critical for you, then you may have to find another group. Yeah. Or just change the time to seven. No, well, we tried that. Unfortunately, if you change it to seven, they show up at 7.30. We tried that. Okay. No, you only tell half the group. No, it, we tried that. Tried, it didn't work, it blew up in our face because they started talking with one another. <laughs> Okay, we try, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be truthful, I'm going to be truthful, it's the same like this class, okay, this class, it was like we were so grateful for service time, because the class was supposed to start at, at um, uh, the last class was supposed to start at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, the classroom's empty, so, you know, maybe by about 10.15, 10.20, by 10.30 the class was filled, and we said, great, 10.30 the class is filled, they changed the time, we're going to start at 10.30. You what were there, eight indicated. people this morning <laughs> at 10.30? <laughs> okay, now the class is pretty full. It's, it's, that's the nature of people. And if we let that concern us, if we let that concern us, I think it will get in the way. We have to be patient and recognize that everyone in this room has a life. And they have whatever that they deal with, right? So we really hold no judgment. If you've got to come late, you've got to leave early, it's okay. Be grateful. You know? Be grateful that they're here. You know what? Honestly, God's called us to do this. Not. You know, and, and if no one chose to show up one Sunday, get the day off. <laughs> because 
our time is God's time. Our time is God's time. And I can choose to get offended by that, or I can say thank you, Lord, for, for the break. break. So it is what it is. Next time, let know? me know the break's coming a few days okay. early. <laughs> 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 okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw a big wrench in this thing. So hold on. Most of us, I would say, will not be late for work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Agreed, because we'll get fired. We'll get fired. Right? And that person, right? That person, that job, that corporation, we know will do what it, we need to do, will make the adjustments that we need to make to show up there. If that employer says, I'm going to need to be there at 7 o'clock, we'll either be there at 7 o'clock or we'll be there a little bit before. That employer didn't go to the cross and die. Right? So I understand you guys' grace, and that's beautiful, and I love you guys for it. But those of us on the other side, right, I think that this week we need to go before the Lord. Because what would be interesting to me would be, Lord, I love you. I've given you my life. You sent Jesus down on the cross to die for me. I have eternal life because of you, right? Why can I show up at 7 o'clock every day to an employer that pays me that didn't die for me? Yeah. And, and I do appreciate what you share because the one thing I didn't share, and this is whatever it is, patience or something else, I do consider so many, and, and let's just look at the church, and I'm, I'm not speaking to anybody in particular, so please understand me. When people in a church set up to do something at a particular time, sometimes it's a church schedule that needs to be accommodated so that we can't be as accommodating. <clears throat> Leadership cannot be as accommodating. One of the things that presses me to be on time whenever I can is understanding that I am not respecting the individual who's running the event by showing up late. Mm -hmm. And I think, Joe, maybe that's what you're getting at a little bit. I'm looking at it even, and you're right, but I'm looking at it even on a deeper level. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at it from a standpoint that what impacts my life even more than that job is the care and the feeding of my spirit, mm -hmm. the gathering together of those that are in like-mindedness, that we're all moving in the same place in Christ. To me, okay, everybody has got to do their own thing, but to me, it's a matter of my walk with Christ, period. Right? And if I feel like the Lord is saying, you know what, this is something that you need. This is something that I want you to get there because those that are there are going to feed you things that are going to cause you to grow spiritually, cause you to grow in maturity, so that you can actually do the things that I brought you to earth to do. Right? Then I have to answer to the Lord and say, okay, how important is that to me, mm -hmm. right? Because again, if it's that important to me, then, and, and this is no guilt, no condemnation. Right. I mean, please, I don't want anybody to take that that way. That's not what this is about. But this is about a desire to pursue God for yourself, you and him, yeah. right? And you know, the time you guys put into this, the, the call, because you're right, there could be zero person in this class, and Ron and Gene are gonna be here at 10.30, and they're gonna be teaching, right? But they're gonna be teaching because they have a mandate from the Lord to do what they're called to do. So we have the responsibility on the other side, right? To carry that same mandate. 
And again, no condemnation. People are, you know, kids sick, blah, 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 car breaks down, we get this that. and that. Yeah, all that stuff happens. So there's no condemnation. But each of us know, right? Each of us know where we are. And it doesn't matter about anybody in this class. It matters about you and the Lord, yeah. what you're saying to the Lord. I, I agree and appreciate what you're saying. And I also know that there's people, I mean, I work with them. They never show up on time. You know, so, I mean, there's, there's all of the above and, and I think it's a valid question to ask ourselves though. What are we placing our value on? What are we placing our value on? Yeah. You know, and where are we placing our time? I mean, it goes back to priorities. You want to find out what your priorities are? Look at your checkbook. Look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. Okay? You know, we talked in just one thing. You know, if you find yourself impatient on Highway 4, take a different route or leave earlier. <laughs> we have choices. We have choices. Or find a new job. Or find a new job. That's a way Okay. I mean, or it's be content with a smaller house closer to your job than a big sprawling mansion two hours away. That's I don't know anyone that lives in a big sprawling mansion. But <laughs> well, it depends what your definition of a sprawling mansion is. This is true. It's, it's, and it's not, it's not a million dollar home. You know, it's a, you know, the bedroom communities where we live an hour and a half away. It might be better to live in a smaller house because at least our kids will see us. <laughs> or further away so our kids won't see us. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Jackie. You're pretty. You just told me yesterday how you wish you were a block close or a block away from your guys' house. <laughs> That's because I want you to have the pool. Anyway, um, going back to That's how what I to found find out. Patience. I paid for private school. How to find patience. We were talking about journaling and that. Um, but the other way is also to ask someone that knows you well when they see you most impatient. Now you have to be careful about who you're asking because if you're not in a great relationship with your spouse and your spouse is kind of more knocking you most times rather than encouraging you, you might not want to say, hey, when do you see me most impatient today? All right? Because they'll give you a list of their grievances. Okay? So, I mean, you need to be cautious. I mean, if it's the same thing, you might not want to ask your mom either. Okay, you know, especially if your mom sees you from one side. So you want to you talk to someone that, that sees you, you know, and that you can trust that would kind of tell you as unbiased as possible, objectively as possible, areas or things where they might see you um, respond in, in less patience. You know, like, Alexis, don't ask Junior. Okay. I'm already all right. I wouldn't ask my kids either, okay? We, and we're going to be wrapping up. It requires a change in attitude about life. It really does. And about where we stand in relation to God. When, when Moses said, Moses wrote in Numbers. Moses wrote the book of Numbers, and here's what Moses said. Moses is the most humble man on earth. Is he really? Is he really if he could actually say that? Actually, he could because humility is understanding our position before God. But wouldn't he be proud of himself? Would he mm -mm. take some of the humbleness away? Mm -mm. No, he doesn't have to be. Humil Am I proud of the fact that I'm a woman? Yeah, but that's obvious. Okay. What about the fact that, that I'm a good teacher? Am I saying that in pride? Or, or am I saying that because I've had others reflect that yeah. I've taught and I've been able to communicate things to them? So there's a difference between, oh, sorry. <laughs> Is it prideful to say that you're a good mother? It could be, depending on why you say it. It could be, but you're a good mother. <laughs> it could be. And, and that's the Take the compliment. Okay. But you are a good mother, and it's okay for you to say you're a good mother. It's not okay to say, I'm a good mother. Okay? So, it, it, and the same could be said 
If you have to reinforce that to your kids, that's probably one issue. But <laughs> Moses could say, I'm the most humble man on earth because he also understood what happens if he comes out from under the umbrella of that humility. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. He literally broke the law before it was broken. Like, <laughs> the written he was with God for so long, he down the Lord was like, ah, yeah, he, broke it, he broke it, literally. And then go back he broke the tablets. Yeah, exactly. And I suspect he had to carve it in this time. Okay. When, when we are impatient, okay, when we're like literally in that anxiousness, in that frustration, in that impatience, all right, it really helps to concentrate on our breathing and slow down our breathing. All right. I think Moses' life for humbleness when people are grumbling, is one for the Lord yeah. and to save them. Even when his sister, yeah. Miriam, mm-hmm. that he's praying for Miriam. So his life is his own. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it, it showed how deep that characteristic went. Yeah, you're very right. Um, so again, in that midst of impatience, literally, slow down your breathing. Okay? And, and take a look at, okay, Lord, what's true in this moment? What's noble? Meditate on scripture. Bring the promises of God in there. Um, I used to do lay counseling out in Oakley back when um, Lone Tree was a dirt road. All right? And I lived in Antioch. And I wouldn't be there full hours. I would just have periodic um, people that I would meet with. And I had two kids that I was homeschooling and everything else like that. So most times it's like, okay, and I'm finding myself running late. You know, oh, come on, turn, 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 you know, and you know, get there. And um, sometimes I would be late or whatnot. And the Lord worked on me and he said, why are you doing like that? Because it takes you about 20 minutes to come down from the stress that you just put yourself through. All right, getting here like that. Okay, trust in me. So even when I was running late, it was, it was a, probably about a three-month process, all right? I had to consciously back off. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Even if I'm late, Lord, I'm going to trust in you that your presence is going to be there. I'm going to be in peaceful, all right, stuck at a light. Same thing, all right? And do you know what? If I was five minutes, the person I was meeting with was ten minutes late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, without fail. When I developed this process of, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey the speed limits, take the time, all right, take the time at the lights to pray for the meeting, all right, God always, literally always had his way, all right, but I had to be intentional about it, and I had to concentrate on taking captive every thought, slowing up and physically moving things, you know, all right, changing my position, in that case, it was the foot off the gas. All right, but if we want to work on overcoming impatience, deep breathe, take captive every thought, stand on the promises of the God. Of God, all right. We have to remember His promises. We have to remember His promises. You don't know what His promises are? Do a Google search. All right, <laughs> it'll come out with a lot of verses. All right, and then you can print those verses out and tag them on your rearview mirror, on your dashboard, on your mirror, whatever it is. Okay, all right. And keep in mind, you know, I, I see God's work as a tapestry, a large tapestry. Now imagine being, you know, in, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, remember that movie? Right? And it became really, really small. How did perspective change at that point? Perspective changed a lot because they're focused on the immediate things around them, which were really very small in God's eyes or in a big person's eyes. The ant that was coming to attack them. Mm. So scary. Yeah, so but it was. It was really scary. But we don't see things from God's perspective. So it might be good to pause, breathe deep. God, how are you seeing this right now? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Okay. There's gonna be a lot of unexpected that happen in life. Alright. Um I don't mean to say this to make you feel bad, okay, but Ron picked me up at BART the other day, all right? (laughs) All right. While he was waiting patiently for me, he wanted to move closer so I didn't have to walk as far. And unfortunately, there was another car in the way. Oops. Okay. Should have moved. 
<laughs> All right. Life throws unexpected things at us. But you know what? You had a good encounter with that gentleman, didn't you? Oh, I did. <laughs> he was furious. He jumped out of his car and he was so angry. And the first thing I did was, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't even see you. I didn't realize you were there. I am so sorry. This is completely on me. De-escalated everything. De-escalated everything. I think he was ready to hit me. I wouldn't have blamed him, to be honest with you. That was stupid. Okay, I was stupid and I was careless. But that de-escalated things. Maybe not stupid. But. I, it was it de-escalated things immediately. And, and he, he apologized. And he apologized for lashing out at me. Okay. Wait, did you hit his car or something? I did. Oh, why? oh, oh. I creased his. I cre I took out his driver door. I creased it well. Oh. <laughs> and he was on his way to work. He was picking up his wife, and he had to hurry to get to work. So you never know the circumstances that somebody else is under. Okay. Okay. But if we expect the unexpected and trust that God can still work in it, all right, regardless of what it is, um, it gives us the ability to experience more patience. We're running over. So um, this last point, we need to make sure that we give, give ourselves a break, all right? We need, when we're impatient, to take a step back, do nothing, all right? Stop holding ourselves and the world around us to unattainable standards. So what does that mean? Don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians, and don't expect Christians to be fully sanctified. We all for, fall short, all right? Which doesn't mean we don't have room to grow or allows us to be the way we are sometimes, all right? Especially if we're in these continual situations, all right? Again, if it's that pattern, stop put into practice some of this stuff, all right, so that we can help develop and balance fruit. So we're going to close with this quote. Amy Carmichael. If I have not the patience of my Savior with the souls who grow slowly, including our own, if I know little of travail, which is a sharp and painful thing, till Christ be fully formed in them, or me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Nothing of Calvary love. We can claim we do, but we don't. Joe, do you want to pray us out? Sure. Father, we thank you for this teaching. And Father, we thank you for Ron and Jean, Lord, and we thank you for... Uh, Lord, what you have called them to do, the, the sacrifice, Lord, and we know that it's out of the grace that you have poured out in them. And Father, we thank you today for such an unbelievable amount of grace that's been poured out for us. That Father, that where we are right now, you love us immensely. Father, we can't do any more to get you to love us anymore. Mm -hmm. That Father, you love us fully and completely right where we are. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we are able to be in that grace and that grace would flow over us like a waterfall. So that, Father, that we may step into your love fully and completely. And in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, that we can look at ourselves, Lord, and know that we can forgive ourselves because you have forgiven us. Thank you, Lord. And that, Father, this grace covers everything and this grace, Lord, allows us to move into the fullness that you have for us. Fullness in relationships, fullness in spirituality, fullness, Lord, in relationship with you. So Father, I pray for every heart that's in here, Lord, and the message that was given today, that Father, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that Father, that we would continue it until we all reach maturity. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for every for everybody here, for everything, Lord, that they put their hand to, that, Father, that they would be blessed in what they do. 
that Father, that they will be blessed on their jobs, their finances will be blessed, their relationships with their children will be blessed. Father, their relationships with their employers will be blessed, their neighbors. Father, that so that you would reflect in them this awesome grace. We thank you and we love you more than words can say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.